today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Perhaps one of the reasons as to why what's happening in your life is happening in your life is that it may not be about you. I know that's shocking. I don't wish to in any way sound snarky. Rather, I only wish to propose that your perplexing and even perilous circumstances may be for the benefit of someone else. When you go through hard times, it's natural to think, why am I going through this? Have you ever wondered if the hardship you're enduring right now is because of the benefit of someone else? Today, Pastor J.D. will bring to light how it's not always about you. You may be the tool to bring someone else to Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philemon chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Where do we get off on fancying ourselves as having more favor in the eyes of the Lord now that we're saved sinners? What, do we, you know, reach a new level? You know, so, I mean, God God can't love them. Now, me, that's different. I'm already in, you know, me and God were like this, and why not them? Well, last time I checked, Jesus died on the cross for them too. And here's another thing, one one more thing, (laughs) before we move to the second one. People thought that about you before you got saved. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit take that one and do its much needed work in your heart. The second reason is that this adversity may be that it's for the benefit of someone else. This trial you're going through, and you're going through it, man. Maybe it's not for you, but for the benefit of someone else. This is in verses 17 through 21. Here, Paul is basically doing what Christ has done for all of us, right? By paying a debt he did not owe for one Onesimus, who owed a debt he could not pay. Charge it to my account, I'll pay the price in full. Put it on my account. That's what he's saying. Is that not what Jesus says to every single one of us? They owe a debt, the sin debt, I'll pay for it. Put it on me, I'll pay for it. That's what he's saying. And he even takes it further, reminding Philemon that he himself had his account credited when Paul's account was debited for him. Never imagine that, because it doesn't fit with the letter, which is just so loving. you got to know from this letter that Paul loved Philemon so much. and vice versa, the feelings were mutual. So never imagine Paul saying, you know, it's your decision on this whole Onesimus thing. 
Uh, I just want you to consider a couple things. I know he stole from you. I'll pay for it. You put it on my account. And oh, by the way, you owe me your life. But, But other than that, that's not what he's saying. He's just reminding him that he was on the receiving end of forgiveness the way that now Onesimus needs to be on the receiving end of forgiveness. Forgiveness of debt. Forgiveness of the sin debt. In other words, Philemon owed Paul a debt of gratitude, as it were, by virtue of how Paul is the one who led Philemon to Christ. And all Paul is doing is lovingly reminding him of what he did for him. When Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. In other words, it's credited to your account and the account of the Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ is debited on your behalf. Stay with me because there's something here I want us to spend just a little bit of time on. I would humbly suggest that perhaps, I want to use that word perhaps like Paul used it, perhaps one of the reasons as to why what's happening in your life is happening in your life is that it may not be about you. I know that's shocking. I don't wish to in any way sound snarky. Rather, I only wish to propose that your perplexing and even perilous circumstances may be for the benefit of someone else, and not you, chiefly. Because there are people watching how you're handling that adversity in your life. They're watching you very closely. You're a living epistle, the Apostle Paul would say. You're a living letter that people read. They read the letter of your life, and they want to see how it's going to read. Oh, you got this chapter in your life. It's a pretty rough chapter, going through a really serious situation. Maybe they want to see modeled for them a godly response in a serious situation like that. Have you ever considered that the trial in your life may be because God wants to use it in the life of someone else? So they watch you go through this, And they watch God bring you through this. And that's what God does, right? Oh, how often I wish that God would take me out of the trial. To which God responds, I'm not going to take you out of it. Because you just have to retake the test if I do that. I never like retaking tests in school. I'm not going to take you out of it. I'm going to bring you through it in ways that you could have never imagined. And on the tail end of it, there are going to be people close in proximity to you in your life that are going to be watching you, and they're going to glorify God. Now, some of you are looking at me like, are you telling me that my trial 
is because of someone else. It's their fault? No. (laughs) God's doing a work in you too. God's doing a work in your life, in and through this adversity that He's allowed into your life. But in verse 20, notice this, Paul says that he, Philemon, may have some benefit from him to be refreshed by him. Did you catch that? In other words, this is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. Have you ever considered this, that maybe there's an Apostle Paul in your life that God wants to bless and refresh and benefit? Yeah, but we're talking about Paul. How could I possibly be a blessing to somebody like the Apostle Paul? You have no idea. Think of it like this. Perhaps God has given you that profound privilege of leading somebody to Christ. And you watch them grow in the Lord, mature in Christ, grow in grace over the years. And then you see them go through a situation, and they handle it in a godly way. Does that not bless your heart? You're the one that led them to Christ. And now you're watching them. What a breath of fresh air, because for every one of them, For every Philemon in the life of an Apostle Paul, how many don't? How many people do you know that came to Christ that are not walking with the Lord right now? Or, I'm not talking about salvation. What I am talking about is you're watching their life, and they got saved about the same time you did. And unnecessarily, Their life is just riddled with problem after problem after problem, and it's heartbreaking. And then you have a Philemon, and as we just read, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, he says, I know you're not only going to do this, you're going to even do more than I'm asking, because that's just who you are. And that's a breath of fresh air. That's the second time of Philemon, the Apostle Paul would say he's a refreshment. He's refreshing a breath of fresh air. Well, this brings us to the third one, and it's in verses 22 through 25. And this is a biggie. I mean, they're all biggies, but it may be that it's an unexpected answer to prayer. I'll explain this. What Paul says here is very interesting for a number of reasons, chief of which is that he mentions that him coming to Philemon would be an answer to Philemon's prayer. In other words, Philemon has been praying for Paul to come to him, stay with him, and Paul knows it. I would assume that Paul was also praying for the same thing. Lord, open up the door so I can be with my brother Philemon. So he's, he says to Philemon, oh, uh, one last thing. <laughs> one last thing. Prepare a place for me, because I'm going to come and stay with you, and it's going to be an answer to your prayer. Praise the Lord. Not so fast. I would suggest that Philemon may have been praying for that, but had no idea that his prayer would be answered in this way. 
Again, stay with me. I point this out because we can surmise from this that yes, Philemon was praying for this, but maybe not for it to happen this way. Here's just a thought. His prayer was probably convict Onesimus, have him come back, get back to work, and then open the door for Paul to come. He wasn't he, he was praying for the right thing, but in the wrong way. Isn't that interesting? What are you saying? What I'm saying is, and in my own prayer life, I'm learning is that one of the reasons our prayers remain unanswered is because we're actually praying for the right thing, but in the wrong way. Let me say the same thing in a different way. Prayer changes the prayer. That is a play on words, but you get the point. And for those of you that keep a prayer list or a prayer journal, have you ever gone back over those prayers? I've been doing this for many years, I mean 20 years, and I've gone back. Some of those prayers I prayed is kind of like, Oh Lord, thank you so much for not answering that prayer. Had you answered that prayer, that way would have been catastrophic. God knows that. So here we're praying, it's not according to God's will. We're not going to get that which we ask for if it's not according to God's will. I can almost picture God in heaven. We're praying, oh God, do this. And it's like God said, you don't want me to do that. I mean, I, I, I want to do this, but I want to do it this way. Oh, and at this time. Oh, I'm going to get Onesimus back. Paul's coming. Get the room ready. Change the sheets and the bedding. He's coming. But when Onesimus comes back, he's coming back not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Oh, I wasn't praying for that. It's like when we pray, God, and He's so gentle. The Holy Spirit is so gentle with us. It's like, I want to answer that prayer, but I can't answer that prayer that way. And truth be known, you don't want me to answer that prayer that way. I have a much better way to answer that prayer. And I want you to pray that way. And when you pray that way, I'm going to answer it. Prayer changes the prayer. And sometimes I think we pray too low. You know what I mean by that? We have such a big God, and we pray such little prayers. I love the humorous illustration of this guy, you know, getting ready to pray, and God is just getting the heavenly host on standby. Gabriel, Michael, the heavenly host. JD's about ready to pray. Get over here. Whatever he asks, he can ask me anything. According to my will, you guys get down there and you make it happen. He's ready. You ready? He's going to pray. And here I come. I use myself as an example. Lord, thank you for this meal. Uh, bless it to our bodies. Never mind. It's just another meal prayer. Here I was ready to tax the moon and the stars, the heavens and the earth, and do whatever he asked. 
He has not because he asks not. I know that's a dramatic and almost silly way to illustrate it, but you get the point, right? Here, Philemon, you're praying for Onesimus to come back. Why don't you pray that he gets saved and then come back? How about that? Why don't you reconsider how it is and what it is that you're asking God to do? You know, you can trust God to do anything. If it's His will and for His glory, you've got it, man. And don't pray small. I mean, pray an outlandish prayer and then watch God do it. Because He will. I can almost picture God in the heavenlies. You know, and our prayers are so fragrant, like in the book of Revelation, they're in a bowl, fragrant before the throne. And so we already know that our prayers are precious to Him. And I just wonder if God is in heaven, seated on the throne, waiting for us to ask Him for something that is just so over the top, so He can do it. Because He can. And the only reason He can't is because we don't ask Him or expect Him to do it. I think about in the Gospels, how many times, and never imagined that Jesus had a harsh tone in His voice, I think it was just loving compassion and bewilderment almost. Why is your faith so little when your God is so big? Why do you doubt? Why do you worry? Do you not know that your heavenly Father will give you everything you need? Think about yourself as an earthly parent, as an earthly father, earthly mother. Your child asks you for something, and it's good. You're not going to give it to them? You're going to withhold it from them? They ask for fish, you're going to give them a snake? Bread, you're going to give them a rock? Here, it's a little tough, but you can have this. No. How much more your heavenly Father, when you ask, ask, what have you got to lose? I mean, well, I don't know, it just seems like my prayers bounce off the ceiling. They don't. God answers your prayers. You may not like the answer that He gives, but God is answering your prayer in one of three ways. He's either saying, yes, I love it when He does that. Thank you, Lord. Or He says, no. I hate Him when He says, no. Or he says, wait. I hate that. I would almost rather have a no, so I can regroup, and then go back to him with, okay, how about this then? I I know you said no on that, but how about this one then? But when he says wait, it's kind of like, you're on hold now. You have to wait. But I hate to wait. You're going to have to wait. Because the timing's not right. I'm going to do it, but if I did it right now, believe me, you don't want me to do it right now, because it would rob you of the blessing 
of waiting. I think about what Isaiah 30, 18 says. The Lord will wait so that He can be gracious unto you. God's delays are not God's denials. I know that sounds cliche, but it's so true. God's timing is always perfect. We're quick to say God's never late, but we're not as quick to say God's never early either. His timing is always perfect. Well, before we bring this to an end, and I, if you're anything like me, I don't want to end this, this letter. I want to share with you several life lessons that we can take away from this short epistle. So what follows, they're not in any particular order, although I, they're the last one, though, is the one I want to spend the most time on. You'll see why. But I found five such life lessons that to me are the main reason that explains why we even have a book like this in our Bibles, but more importantly, in the context of what we're talking about today, I think this is the takeaway when it comes to those times in your life when God allows the inexplicable, and it doesn't make sense, and you don't know what God's doing, you don't know why God is doing it, you don't know why God is allowing it. So I found five of them. Here's the first one. This is important. Think about this. Paul risked his reputation to restore Onesimus because he himself was on the receiving end of Barnabas risking his reputation to accept Paul. Did you catch that? Let's go back to Saul of Tarsus having Christians murdered. And he's on the road to Damascus. God gets a hold of him, saves him. Not him. Not, he's the last person you would have ever thought. He was the one responsible for uncle's death. Yeah, him. He got saved. No way. Way. Somebody must have prayed for him. They did. You know who I think it was? It's recorded in the book of Acts. Stephen, the first martyr, being stoned to death. Saul of Tarsus was there. In fact, he had his fingerprints of authorization on that martyred death. And Stephen prayed for them. I think he knew who Saul was before he breathed his last breath. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Philemon. This book is a personal letter from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. The meat of the message is related to Philemon's slave running away and how Paul encouraged Philemon to forgive his slave who had come to know Christ. This idea of forgiveness isn't new, but it's not always easy to do when you feel you've been wronged. Forgiveness is truly an act of God in your heart. Are you wrestling with forgiving someone for a wrong they've done to you? If so, this book may be a helpful reminder that God calls us to forgive just as He's forgiven us. 
If you'd like to hear this message again, head over to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're on our website, you can access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. There are many topics covered that might be of interest to you. Again, our website is calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you're interested in listening to these messages on the go, search for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. You can also watch the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update at jdfarag.com. We're nearing the end of our time with you today, but we're glad you listened in. These messages are interesting and insightful, and it's something to look forward to. We hope you'll join us next time as Pastor J.D. will teach through God's Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, right here on In Spirit and Truth.